my primary care doctor called me in a panic and was like, do you have any head pain? And I'm like, no. And she's just like, one of your arteries has been breached and we found blood spilled in your brain. We need you to come in right away. So the way they described it to me is that the lining of the wall of the artery had been torn and uh, what happens is like a flap of the tear will fall in on the artery and that blockage makes the natural levels of plaque in my blood cause a blockage. So they could see that mine was blocked all the way down to my lung. They had me on a physical activity pause. Like they asked me, until we figure out what actually happened to you, like, can you see anything that would make me exert myself at all? So no running, no walking too far, no hiking, certainly no acrobatics, certainly no pole work. So I was grounded again and I had to give a note to my job and of course deliver the news. It just shows up in my life, like in so many ways where I have to then tell someone, oh, it's because, yeah, I had a stroke, you know, and I'm about to turn 32 on Saturday. And the fact that this is a part of my life already, it's just been really hard. Hello, I'm Mark Goodyear, and this is Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. In this episode, we'll hear the second part of Meredith McMurray's incredible story. Three months later, I still had this blind spot. April 8th is when I feel like I had that pain in the first place. And then the next day, April 9th, when I went to the ER, by June, I was like, okay, this blind spot shouldn't still be here. But I still had the blind spot. When I went for my follow-up from the ER, the doctors there were, again, it was a different doctor, but this guy was, like, so dismissive of me. He asked me to, like, go ahead and walk and show him how I was walking. And I still had a little inability to balance. And he was like thinking maybe that I was faking it or something. I'm not sure. But he told me, yeah, I think you're fine. Just an atypical migraine. But if you really want to, you are allowed to like opt to have the MRI. I opted to get the MRI brain scan. And I go home thinking, okay, they're probably going to find nothing. And so it was a couple days later, my primary care doctor called me in a panic and was like, do you have any head pain? And I'm like, no. And she's like, are you sure you don't have any head pain? And I'm like, no, what? And she's just like, one of your arteries has been breached and we found blood spilled in your brain. We need you to come in right away. <laughs> so I'm like, not sure how to feel about it because here I was, I've been back doing all my acrobatic work, both training and performing. And she's telling me that, yeah, there's like a team of different types of brain doctors all looking over the case because apparently the situation, how it looked was like really super rare. I went into my neurologist appointment and she let me see my brain scan. And what they found was that my left vertebral artery had a condition in it uh, that's called a dissection. They said, your left vertebral artery has a dissection. So the way they described it to me is that the lining of the wall of the artery had been torn. And uh, what happens is like a flap of the tear will fall in on the artery and that blockage makes the natural levels of plaque in my blood cause a blockage. So they could see that mine was blocked all the way down to my lung. 
that's an exit artery. And so that's why there became an aneurysm. So that event when I was giving the dance the day before the stroke, yeah, like that was like an aneurysm. And then the next day or at some point between then and the next day it burst and became a hemorrhagic stroke. So there was a blood spill in my occipital lobe. And for whatever reason, I still don't understand this, is the space between brain and skull bone, there was like more blood, but all the way in the front right side where my eyeball lives. Because I asked the doctor, I'm like, okay, if there's damage way back here on my left side in the back, why is there blood spill in the top front right part of it? And I still don't have an answer for that. The news that she had had a stroke left Meredith shocked and concerned for her future. This whole thing is so scary because, first of all, my trust and faith in doctors is, like, gone from in the first place. This was in July that I finally got diagnosed properly. So I'd been living my life, you know, normally until July. They had me on a physical activity pause. Like, they asked me, until we figure out what actually happened to you, like, can you see anything that would make me exert myself at all? So no running, no walking too far, no hiking, certainly no acrobatics, certainly no pole work. So I was grounded again, and I had to give a note to my job and, of course, deliver the news to my managers, too, which was, like, really crazy. It was really, really crazy to be like, hey, remember three months ago when I was acting really weird and had to go to the hospital? Yeah, it turns out that I had a stroke. It was really awkward for so many reasons. And her stroke continues to affect her. It just shows up in my life, like, in so many ways where I have to then tell someone, oh, it's because, yeah, I had a stroke, you know, and I'm about to turn 32 on Saturday. And the fact that this is a part of my life already, it's just been really hard. The hardest part of recovery has been the way people react. So they're either not believing me at all, or they believe me, but they think it's not that bad. Like I've had people say that to me. And it's really, like, annoying doesn't cut it. It's not only annoying, but it's, like, really super hurtful, and it puts me in dangerous positions sometimes. What brain trauma survivors have is an invisible situation. Like, I still have my blind spots. I have a host of different symptoms that I still manage to this day. Everything from, like, this feeling of, like, the brain being squeezed to like, you know, random dizzy spells to a sensation with my breathing where it just feels like the automatic part of my breathing just shuts off. By now, I know how to override it. But when I first woke up from the hospital, that would happen and I would feel like I was choking just like out of nowhere. So there is so many little symptoms like that that just there's not a lot of resources for stuff like that or education about how to share my experience with people and what to do if someone's being dismissive. I feel like there's got to be a way to, to have a better conversation, especially when it's someone that I'm trying to work with or work for. Meredith was able to better understand what had happened to her after she was finally given the correct diagnosis, but the stroke's impact on her life remains. Still to come on Stroke Stories, Meredith on her next step. I'm the proud owner of a aerial acrobatics program where I teach students how to do aerial silks, hammock, trapeze, lyra, and her advice for stroke survivors. We know we've been injured. We know we've suffered. 
but just finding a way to feel out of that heaviness of something is wrong. Let's hear what Meredith believes caused her stroke. The doctor, when they delivered me the news about, yes, you have a dissection in your left vertebral artery, I was like, what the heck is that and what causes it? And I'm thinking, oh my God, my biggest fear was like, did I do something with my acrobatic training that I didn't know about or something like that? Because I've not had any accidents. I've not had any car accidents. I've not fallen. I've not had any head or neck or back blunt force trauma at all. And so the doctor said to me, Dissection is common in really active people or else older people. And there are three primary things that are known to cause it. One is a car accident. The other is a fall from like off a first story building, like from super far where you have to go to the hospital. And then the third thing is chiropractic neck adjustment is the other thing that's known to cause this. And so rewind to my life a few months before the event and I had gone to a chiropractor. As I mentioned before, I've had migraines, so I was constantly looking for like a cure. <laughs> you know, like I think other migraine sufferers can relate where like some of us have them so bad where we just have to look for anything that says it can help. And then I met a chiropractor who was like, oh yeah, I can just look at your neck alignment and you know, oh, I'll give you an x-ray. She gave me an x-ray and she's pointing out all these things like, oh yeah, if we just make this adjustment here, here and here, then it should relieve your migraines. So yeah, I saw this chiropractor. She was giving me neck adjustments every week for like over a month. So I had multiple neck adjustments. And I have to say, like, to me, that's what caused me to have a dissection in my left vertebral artery. And so here's the thing about it. That chiropractor still doesn't know that this happened to me that I actually had aneurysms and a stroke. So it's almost been two years, and I feel like that chiropractor should know that this happened to me. So this is the part of the story that's like unresolved, and I don't know what to do about that part of it. So everything from being misdiagnosed from the doctor at the ER to learning later that it was another professional doctor who caused this in the first place, it is terrifying to be in this position and that's that's where I still am is like oh my god like I'm pretty sure that I need to find someone who could help advocate for me and just communicate about what happened properly with these professionals because the problem is I survived but I think that has everything to do with the state of health that was in beforehand and it's only luck that I'm still alive able to talk to you guys right now like it makes me wonder though too like how many people have had strokes and were misdiagnosed and didn't have supportive healthy community didn't have friends didn't have family and have had to survive through this. Despite all the challenges that she has faced, Meredith has continued to thrive in her career. I am the proud owner of a aerial acrobatics program where I teach students how to do aerial silks, hammock, trapeze, lira. It already existed and then I took over ownership of it in June. Owning a business is hard. It's really, really, really hard with suffering with, you know, memory loss. And, you know, I still have disorientating moments. And being a business owner in the midst of that is really hard. But I'm starting to be able to build a team where I can start delegating. And because <laughs> what I really want to do is get the program 
you know, really stable and running and the business side of it covered like, okay, it's tax season. So I'm like covered in sweat all week from doing paperwork, if you guys can believe that. My cognitive ability is recovered to the point where, yeah, I'm like running a business and, you know, I still have a loss of vision. I still have that blind spot. I still have moments and I have to be a little careful with my neck, but otherwise, yeah, I'm still an acrobat and I still perform, of course. So like, yeah, I perform for tech company Christmas parties, like holiday parties in December. I had like performances and I'm always constantly looking for more performing opportunities and stuff to include my students with, you know, community performances. And we have an outdoor rig that we set up sometimes around Marin and it's really fun and we're gearing up for a great summer. Anyone who's listening who is struggling through their recovery, I think there's a lot to be said about that placebo effect. I was told nothing was wrong with me, but I do think that helped me recover my ability to walk faster, my ability to get back to work faster. And the positive side of that is that I had access to my normal life faster. So if there's a way to not at all gaslight the experience, but just some way to shift out of feeling like something's wrong with you and remembering or somehow knowing that there is nothing actually wrong with you in the sense of wrong. It's just like you are where you're at. We know we've been injured. We know we've suffered. But just finding a way to feel out of that heaviness of something is wrong with me, right? Like that feeling. And then the other thing I think was really important to the recovery is music. Okay. For me, like I had my favorite DJ at the club I used to work at. So if you can find yourself some music you like and some maybe dance, whether it's you find an instructor or maybe friends, yeah, get out there and dance as much as you can, even if you're laying on your back. Meredith's stroke came as a complete shock. Her misdiagnosis and lack of aftercare meant she had to recover on her own. But her progress has been remarkable, and she now runs her own business, teaching dancing and aerial acrobatics. Coming up in the next episode of Stroke Stories. I did not feel like I had a stroke like I was in dire trouble. But I got home that one day. I was kind of slurry in general. I went to bed to try and sleep it off. I didn't have to be up until 10 o'clock the next morning, and I could not fall asleep. I'm trying desperately to sleep, and I'm exhausted, and I can't move. And suddenly I awake, and I feel the stroke roll through my head. I feel it come right across my forehead. It's a scary, scary, scary thought, trust me. And you just feel things go weird. I'm thinking that something is wrong. I'm in trouble. And I go to move my hand, and I cannot move. I cannot move my left leg, and I cannot move my right hand. Please subscribe to our podcast and rate and comment on the episodes you hear to help us spread the word. If you are or you know a stroke survivor and would like to share a stroke story with us, please contact us via Twitter or Instagram. Our DMs are always open. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. <laughs>